The boys are back in town. It is Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy premiering our season two today. Welcome back, Chase. It's been a long time since we've been away from the people. The boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. Man, woo! Baby, we're back. Yeah, we're here to cater to you. (laughs) Man, here we are. Can you believe we made it? All the way to season two, had a nice long break, enjoyed those wins there, and ready to crush it back for another year and a half, man. We got some fun stuff today, too. Yeah, you're right about that, and I think that's important to touch on. And, you know, I know that when we ended our season one, we told everyone that, you know, we're going to be back in two weeks, and that uh, two weeks turned into two months. But the reason <laughs> why, you know, we kind of talked about it and, like, sat down, and one of the biggest things that we saw as an area of opportunity is the lengths of our episodes because we know some of them could get to three and a half hours, four hours, some as long as five hours. We're like, you know what? We need to get let everybody have a chance to kind of catch up so that way we all start into season two together with everyone having seen and listened to all the episodes. So that's a big reason why we took a little extended uh, break then more than we anticipated. And so, yeah, now we're back. We're ready to roll. We got some great stuff coming up for season two. A lot of things to go over today. I think that we would be remiss uh, to not start this episode with our patented Malice in the Chalice cheers for season two. So put your glasses in the air, and here's a toast to season two, baby. Malice in the Chalice, baby. Ah, feels good to be back. So. Season two. <laughs> So, I mean, a couple of things I, you know, I want to do is go over some of the cooler things that we saw in terms of running a podcast for a full season, some of the big numbers that we were able to hit, uh, you know, reviews that came across the board. So, I mean, you know, for me, I will say that I didn't really know what to expect when we kind of started making a podcast. It was going to be an interesting journey, uh, learning experience. And so, we, you know, Chase and I both, we kind of had limited expectations about what we were going to do our first year because we've never done it before. We didn't have a lot of experience. And then, you know, what ended up happening is it took off a little bit uh, (laughs) faster than we anticipated. And I think a lot of that, you know, unfortunately had to do with the pandemic, people being home, people being able to like look for alternative forms of entertainment since they couldn't go outside and couldn't go out or couldn't do certain things. And then, you know, from there, I think a lot of it took over with the content that we put out because Guys, you gotta remember, we started with the Marvel rankings. We went into like our Star Wars rankings. We talked about the Mandalorian. We went over the Witcher. We had our first big major arc in Game of Thrones. That took us a long time. Then we did a little mini arc on Westworld. We thought that was gonna be a breeze. Turned out to not be a breeze. <laughs> and then uh, we went through and finished up uh, our season with season one with Harry Potter. But Harry Potter took us from October all the way until July 31st. Our you know our episode premiered on August 1st, like right after Harry's birthday. So, you know, we had a year and a half of content, you know, and that, that is uh, something that I, I'm really proud of that we were able to do. And, you know, I'll let Chase kind of go over some of the bigger numbers that we hit. And, you know, he's, he's our big marketing guy. He's the one that looks at all the analytics. But, uh, yeah, man, I'll turn it over to you and, you know, give me your thoughts on what we did for season one. Guess who's back? Back again. Josh, Josh and Chase. Tell your friends. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Nah, nah. <laughs> I'm stoked, man. <laughs> yes, uh, season one. Talk about definitely uh, creating uproar. Like, it definitely uh, blew us, blew our own expectations out of the water, I would say. I mean, 
we thought just, you know, you, all of our audience members, all you guys that have followed us for so long, of course, you know, we talk about numbers and stuff all the time. So I'll just hit on a couple of the big ones. Of course, you know, we hit that big 20,000 mark milestone last year uh, during Harry Potter, which was really huge for us. Well, then over what's so wild, it's like it's almost like an artist that's passed away, right? They're, like their numbers go through the roof when you're not putting anything out. So we were shocked, thinking nothing would be happening. And then we go hit the 30,000 mark when we're on our, I guess, what do you, what would you like to call it? Like between season one, season two hiatus. Yeah, like we were just off say, doing everything. Yeah, off season. Hit 30,000 and, and 30,000 downloads. And that's huge because... Uh, people don't realize, you know, people that aren't in the podcast world, there's podcasters that have been doing this for years that have yet to hit 20,000. We come into this thing, two guys that just love fantasy fiction, uh, learning our experience as we go, which has allowed us to grow ourselves and grow as people and in our craft. And here we're doing things, literally being compared on the charts with the top podcasters in the world, which is really phenomenal <laughs> coming from nothing given no teams and here we are so uh yeah it's it just feels great uh, to be able to hit those milestones and and uh like we kind of teased uh, i won't go into this yet but we got some cool uh new features for season two we're gonna go into we got some awesome stuff planned and i'm gonna let uh, jay nelly kind of give you the rundown on that so i'll turn it back over to jay nelly for sure and another thing too i want to talk about when we mentioned uh numbers is some of the reviews that we get on apple Podcasts. you know we've been seeing you know we got 900 reviews and you know the overwhelming majority is all five stars and you know these are people that we have no idea who they are in real life <laughs> that yeah. are you know kind of giving us uh, great feedback on our show and the content we put out so that really makes me excited when i see you know all these reviews coming in and you know they're all verifiable you can go you guys can go right now and look on your app on apple Podcasts and look at our 900 reviews and our star rating and what people are saying about the show and so and some of those came in again during our off season our you know break between season one and season two so it's just one of those things it's like uh you know, we talk, talk talk about like passive income. You know, when you're making money when you're sleeping, uh, you know, you're not actually working. It's making money. Your money's making money for you. Uh, the, you know, the the contents making bringing audience members in for us on our own without having to continuously push it out. But I will say, it is damn good to be back uh, to kind of go in there because you know what? Yeah, this is season two, right? This is the first episode of season two. We're gonna kind of leave season one in the past here and talk a little bit about what we're gonna do going forward in season two as chase alluded to we do have a couple new things that we're gonna bring out and we're gonna talk about ways we're gonna kind of you know break down efficiency a little bit better uh talk about what topics we're really gonna cover so and then obviously we got something a little fun and a little special for you guys planned uh towards the end as well i'm sure you guys if, again you know if you're not looking on uh, youtube our youtube's gonna be a little bit different this year as well we're not gonna put full episodes we're gonna put small clips of our best moments but if you guys uh, are only listening through audio and not looking visually on YouTube, we do have some jerseys on the uh, setup today, and we'll go over why they are there, you know, towards the end of the episode. But uh, before that, yeah, let's just talk a little bit about season two and things we're going to cover. I think what I really want to talk about first is the topics we're going to cover, the difference between what we're going to do here for season two and what we did for season one, is we try to have such like a strict, tight schedule for season one. <laughs> and we realized how unrealistic that is. It was very, very hard to fit everything in. I mean, you guys saw we took, 
you know, what is that? 10 months to, to tackle Harry Potter, <laughs> October all the way through the very last day of July. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, we can only do so much in a season. So what we're going to do is instead of trying to push out a bunch of, you know, episodes that are all three hours or whatever, we're actually just going to put out more episodes in quantity so that way the length of our episodes can kind of you know hopefully stay around two and a half hours is our target goal so instead of saying all right we're gonna have three episodes that are gonna cover this show we might have five or six episodes cover that show but then the episodes that you're listening to are gonna be shorter you know they're gonna we're not gonna but we're not gonna do because the biggest thing that our strength is I believe is our quality of content we're not gonna just remove content from it but we got to put it in a more strategic way so that way we can captivate more listeners, more audience members, because we know four hours is a lot to sit down and listen to, <laughs> even over a week's time. So that's what we're really going to try to do. We're going to go ahead and spread out over the episodes, smaller lengths during the episode, but maybe more episodes overall. So we're going to be covering certain topics for a little bit longer than maybe we would have in season one. So with that being said, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about some of the things that we are going to cover in season two. I want to be the first one to say I am very, very excited. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I want to say that I, this new Venom movie is going to be one of the ones that we are going to start with. I'm not sure if it's going to be the first one. You know, like I said, the scheduling is going to be a little more different. It's not like we're going to give you set episodes and set topics and this is what we're going to do and this is how long we're going to cover them for. Things are going to come up as they have, especially now with the world kind of coming back into a, a regular rhythm. You know, what happened during the pandemic is all the you know, productions were shut down, so, you know, shows couldn't film. And that helped us kind of catch up and go with the flow there with things that we wanted to do. But now things are all coming out. We've got this new Loki show, this WandaVision show. We've got, uh, you know, what's, uh, what's coming out with this Obi-Wan series. We've got uh, so many things that are coming that are going to drop that we're going to want to touch on. We just got to figure out a strategic way to do it. So I will say that Venom is one of the ones that we are going to tackle. I think we're going to tackle it early in Season 2. I'm going to turn it over to Chase, and he's going to kind of give you a couple more that we're going to tackle. And then maybe I'll finish up with a, the other few that we put on there. And then we'll go into some of the funner things, the new, the new wrinkles that we brought in as well, and what we're going to get into for the fun part of today's episodes after that. Yeah, and uh, another thing, too, our TikTok, man. <laughs> we didn't even know anything about TikTok until the end of season one and you know I, I think that's what's been so wild is to be off season for a couple of months and still be getting you know 50,000 views on TikTok is pretty wild and we haven't you know that's been mainly like just showing off our toys we have on set right and now we're going to be putting like if you like how Jay Nelly mentioned uh, the clips we'll have this year, a lot of those clips will be on TikTok, so you can also follow us on there, which is cool. Because uh, TikTok's nice. You know, I know uh, we've been really talking about efficiency and focusing on that this year, and that's what's nice is you can watch, you know, a two-minute, three-minute debate versus having to sit down for, like, another 30 minutes or three hours and watch the whole thing. So that's what's nice. So definitely tune in on there. Um Man, we are talking about my hero again this year. And uh, I know Josh hit on Venom, but uh, on the hero side of things, my spidey sense is tingling, baby. And I am stoked. Uh, December 17th, Spider-Man No Way Home comes out. We all know what the anticipation is because it could very well be 
one of the highest grossing Marvel films of all time with the rumors that are out there. And uh, so I'm really stoked for that. Um, I'm going to let Jay Nelly hit on the major big arc we're going to hit this year. I will say, uh, you know, because I am a Targaryen, I am very happy we will be stepping back into Essos this year. So get stoked for that. Uh, House of Dragon just released their teaser. I put it on our website. Uh, currently, they are scheduled to come out in April. So just like Jay Nelly said, you know, this season is going to be a little bit different because we got to, you know, kind of go with the flow strategically. And we know Game of Thrones as you saw last year it's not exactly easy just to cover but uh we are stoked for it that's scheduled to come out in april in our major arc this year i'm gonna let jay nelly tackle so uh turn it back over to jay nelly my man for sure uh so there's gonna be a few things too and like again this won't be one of the ones we start with this will probably be somewhere in the middle of our uh season two just because it's probably going to be our biggest arc that we're going to tackle this season and we'll be doing the great Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, with the return of the king, the two towers, and the fellowship of the ring. I know I kind of put them in backwards order there, but <laughs> that is what we will be tackling. We're going to kind of do it similar to Harry Potter style. We're going to read the books. We're going to break it down kind of like we did in the Harry Potter for season one. And then we're going to compare it to the extended edition of Lord of the Rings films. And that's going to be wild because if anyone knows anything about the extended editions of Lord of the Rings, the, the films there... They are upwards of three hours and like 50 minutes, almost four hour films. And so we're going to sit there, watch it, take our notes, break it down, the differences between the film and the novel, and really kind of see how they compare to each other uh, as well. So that is our, our big arc for season two. We're really excited about that one. I know growing up, I used to, uh, like my parents would have me go to bed at 9 p.m. That would be my bedtime. And I would stay awake just to read. Like I used to have the book that was all three of them in one huge leather bound yep. book and i used to use my game boy color with the worm light on it and i used to turn the game boy on with the light and i would read the book when i was supposed to be sleeping because i was just so uh captivated by the novels and so yeah i'm really excited that we're going to cover lord of the rings this year uh for the season two other things we're going to cover as well these are still big because these are fresh right i kind of mentioned it we have wandavision on deck we're gonna have loki on deck Mandalorian Season 2 is something we obviously have to touch on. Uh, one of my personal favorites that's coming out, uh, The Witcher Season 2. I'm really excited Whoa, about that what, what? one. <laughs> I'm pumped, man. Like, uh, Geralt of Rivia, we're going to get back into his uh, his shoes and see where, where that's going to take us. Because, like we mentioned last year in Season 1, we believe that The Witcher is uh, Netflix's answer to Game of Thrones. And so I'm really excited to kind of see where they take that. Um, from there... I know we've got a couple other things that we're looking to do. Obviously, Chase mentioned House of Dragon. That's the one he's most excited for, which is obviously a big one. Uh, we do believe uh, it's going to depend on when this one drops, if we're going to cover it in Season 2 or not. But the Lord of the Rings uh, standalone Amazon series, that is going to be coming out. If that drops within uh, the time frame for Season 2, we will probably have to tackle that in Season 2 as well. If it doesn't, that will definitely be on the dockets for early Season 3 of Factor Fantasy with Jason Joss. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> uh, on top of that, we're going to be covering uh, the Obi-Wan series when that does come out. I believe that's coming out this year as well, or during the time that we're going to be doing uh, season two. So it's so funny, guys, when we talk about like this year and stuff, because like, this year is almost over. It's, you know, it's coming to a close, but it's almost like 
December's right around the corner and it's going to be January here and it's going to be 2022 before we know it. But when I say this year, I mean our calendar rolling year for the podcast, right? Season two, the year of season two, uh, what's coming right. around and what we're going to be tackling there. So I know I kind of gave a couple uh, topics that we're going to be covering. Which ones did I miss, Chase? I think, maybe I missed one or two. Do you have any other top of your head? I mean, I know Hawkeye's scheduled to come out. We'll see if we cover it. I mean, that's the thing, guys, is we just kind of got to roll with the punches on this. I keep trying to get Jay Nelly to do Aragon at some point, but we looked at it, and we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. That's all I can say. We'll see. But uh, And we know it's been requested a couple of times, um, and we see you guys requesting Twilight. I'm still working on that one for you. <laughs> I'm still working on that, but that would be way down the road. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see on Aragon because we know it's the twentieth anniversary of Aragon coming up. But uh, we'll see. Once again, we got a lot of stuff on the plate, um, but we're just stoked for it. Uh, we got some new wrinkles thrown in, which is going to be awesome. Um, and we're going to be really focused on debates this year, and that's what I love because that's what we really intentionally started this show to do was be a lot of controversy on the show. And that's what's nice is you get the smaller amount of episodes, uh, smaller length in episodes, I'll say. And we're going to be able to focus more on that sort of stuff and focus on our cards. You want to go into our kind of the new wrinkles we've thrown in this year? I sure do. And I also want to expand on what Chase just said there. We are going to make a conscious effort in every single episode that we put out in season two to have at least one debate every single episode. We're going to, like, even if we're not going to, because we, we like doing the surprise ones, right, where we throw it at the card out there and our person's not expecting it. So we'll still have that option there, too. But we're also going to, like, actively find debates that we're going to go back and forth with each other every single episode because we think that's going to be a big, that's a, that's one of the be, uh, biggest reviews that we got where, like, you know, we love the debates. We love the you know banter back and forth between the two of you. And I will say, like, you know, uh, as part of the learning curve, what I found in Harry Potter is that, it was so time-consuming covering the content of Harry Potter, you know, even just reading some of the big parts of the novels, that sometimes there were maybe two or three episodes in a row where we didn't even have a debate because we just had to get the stuff out there uh, just because we were trying to keep this crazy schedule, and that's something that we're trying to change here for Season 2. So, yes, get ready for that. Every single episode in Season 2 will have a debate. Uh, some will be planned, some will be spontaneous, but there will be at least one debate in every episode that we do. Uh, Chase kind of just kind of gave a little teaser of uh, stuff he was talking about, new little additions that we are going to have as well. Uh, so we're talking about the cards. If you guys remember, our very first card, I'm pointing it up to the, the screen right now, it's our Malice in the Chalice card. And to remind everyone, if you joined us for the very first time today, you're jumping in on Season 2, haven't listened to Season 1 yet, I'm just going to go ahead and read the summary of what the Malice in the Chalice card is and how we play it and what it does. So... As a reminder, Malice in the Chalice, you may play the Malice in the Chalice card at any time during the podcast. It may only be used once per podcast host per episode. And when the Malice in the Chalice card is in play, the other host must immediately finish their thought and give the floor to whatever topic the holder of the card desires. And at that point, both hosts must drink. That is Malice in the Chalice. The second card that we created was a great debate card. Now, I'm going to go ahead and read the summary of the Great Debate card. You may play the Great Debate card at any time during the podcast. The podcast host who plays the Great Debate 
We'll pick any topic relevant to the current episode to debate versus the other host. Each host may play the great debate once per episode. Both hosts must drink. So those are the two that we had for season one. Now you will notice that the names rhyme, right? Malice and the Chalice rhymes with each other. The great debate rhymes with each other. We have added a third card to the mix this year. It's going to be fun because it's going to be uh, a way to kind of knock each other off our rhythm. We're going to uh, not only you know, kind of be surprised by when this card is played, but what we have to do when it's played. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce our third card is the Tipsy Gypsy card. Tipsy Gypsy, <laughs> baby! It's I, finally here! It's finally here. Chase has been asking for it. We figured out how we're going to use it. The first thing I want to just put a disclaimer out there. This name is not meant to disparage any group of people. It's simply because it's a word that rhymes with tipsy. <laughs> you know, I couldn't figure out any other one for that they could, you know, kind of put into uh, the visual of what's on here. So this tipsy gypsy card is specifically just because it rhymes with its name. And in this uh, this photo here, it depicts a beautiful woman pouring wine out. And almost like in a bend, like a, if you guys have ever watched Avatar: The Last Airbender, in like a, a air bending or water bending form, and the reason why is because it's an attack card. And what we're going to do when the Tipsy Gypsy card is played, I'll go ahead and read this summary for you. You may play the Tipsy Gypsy card at any time during the podcast. The podcast host who plays the Tipsy Gypsy card forces the other host to pour a full drink and then rapidly consume the entire beverage before answering the current topic of debate. Each host may only play the Tipsy Gypsy card once per podcast episode. So guys, basically what that means is if I go ahead and play this Tipsy Gypsy card, Chase has to grab his bottle of wine or his White Claw or his beer, whatever he's drinking. It has got to be alcoholic because this is a fun show and this is what we do. <laughs> he's going to grab a we grab like whatever to his drink. <laughs> we get our drink on, baby. Yes, we do. He's Wake gonna up, grab that. Drink. He's going to pour it in his cup, and we're going to we're talking like chug that down fast. Like you ever seen it? So if you guys are seeing right now, Chase is uh, on camera. He's pouring his beverage into his cup. And then, obviously, if I play the Tipsy Gypsy card, he's got to take that to the head. He's got to drink the whole thing as fast as he can before we jump into whatever topics he's currently debating. So it can be used in conjunction with the Malice and the Chalice card. It could be used in conjunction with a Great Debate card. It could just be used out of the Clear Blue Sky to fucking mess with him. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter when it's used. You can use it once, though, so you got to use it wisely. But that is one of the new additions to Season 2. We've added one more card our tipsy gypsy card and i'm very excited for it i know chase was bugging me the whole off season what are we going to do with it what are we going to do with it uh we came up with what we were going to do uh we put together how it's going to look on the card and yeah now here we are with it so that is that is the new addition that we've got for season two so some of the biggest things that we're doing just to kind of recap before we jump into the fun part of this episode is uh we're going to be focusing more on the uh, efficiency and putting out you know episodes that are around two and a half hours long, but we're gonna have more total episodes, so it's probably gonna take us longer to get through a certain topic as opposed to season one, where we try to cram it all in in a couple episodes just so we can jump to the next thing, make sure we're on schedule. So uh, we're gonna be focusing on time efficiency, 
we're going to be focusing on the debates. Like I said, every single episode that we put out this year in season two will incorporate a debate at some point during each episode. And then we've got this uh, this new tipsy gypsy card to really throw us off our game and see, you know, we're going to separate the kids from the adults <laughs> really soon when we get into that. And so that's kind of be the biggest the biggest changes there and again not sticking to a set schedule whatever you know we, we find is going to draw the most attention is what we'll cover at the proper moments so we like i said we found out in season one it's very hard to keep a schedule it's very it's even more difficult to stick to it so uh we're going to adjust a little bit we're going to see you know the way that this goes here in season two i'm excited to try new things here like we're not going to be putting out full episodes on the youtube we're just going to be putting out our best moments throughout each episode so that way you know you're not looking at a screen for four hours about just sitting here talking to you or reading things out of a book you get to see the debates in action uh so that's going to be you know some of the big things that we're going to do here in season two and you know with that being said, I'm sure that you know when we kind of left you with the teaser at the beginning of this episode and said there's some jerseys on our table, you're probably wondering uh, why that is. So, Chase, how about you tell the people what we're about to do? Oh, absolutely. And just going into the cards real quick, because Jay Nelly's really creative. You know, he's the design guy on the show. I just throw some shit together, and I'm like, here you go, man. <laughs> it's all good. I'll write some down some stick figures on a piece of paper and cut it out with some notebook paper. It still has the lines on it. I'm like, we can use this. It's like, we can't use that shit. <laughs> Get it out of here, bro. We can't do that. So Jay Nelly crushed it on this design. Um, and yeah, they're girl is gorgeous i mean any of you comic guys that we know you like to buy those creepy covers with those uh anime characters on there it's kind of like that but one thing i do like about these cards everyone knows from our tiktok and we've talked about it on this show we are big goku and vegeta guys and you can tell just by the height size the good guys on the other side of this screen that's jay nelly he's goku me I think Goku's so puny. <laughs> yeah! I'm definitely Vegeta. And one thing I do like on these cards, as you saw in our great debate card, which y'all have saw since last season, because it's a debate card and everyone can defend themselves. So just like Vegeta says, his power level's over 9,000. Yeah, attack is 9,000, defense is 9,000. The Malice card, as you've seen, is actually a trap card. So if anyone's ever played Yu-Gi-Oh! before... Which, you know, I'm a big, I'm an anime nerd, man. Jay Nelly was getting on my, been getting on my case because I keep harping on the Demon Slayer thing. We said we'd let it go for now. We know you guys love it. We know you guys love it. <laughs> he hates me right now for bringing it up. But uh, if you ever played Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, you can throw the trap card and it stops someone in their tracks. That's like the malice in the chalice because instantly their topic is done. They got to drink their drink and it's turned over to the other table. But if you look on our so fine tipsy gypsy card that's been so wealthily designed and made from our Hallmark channel, uh, our Hallmark channel enthusiast Jay Nelly himself, you will see there is zero defense because this one cannot be defended and turned over to the other person. And they have to fill their entire cup, which means the power level's over 9,000. And we are stoked, man. I couldn't be more stoked for this card. Even more because if you look through season one, go back to our past episodes, it has been teased a few times. Just like you've also heard me say, I smell 
Man flesh. <laughs> and that has been teased for this season too. So we got a lot of awesome stuff this season. Couldn't be more stoked. Uh, and today, as you see, two of the greatest players of all time, their jerseys are sitting on my table. One that Jay Nelly loves so truly. You know, we all love the Cowboys because if you don't like the Cowboys, you really just don't like football. <laughs> he wants to make me mad, and it's working. So if anyone knows anything about me, and if you see in our uh, post that we put on Instagram, uh, the, the most one teasing season two here, the, the, what we dropped today, there is a picture almost very similar to you know Vegeta and Goku facing off in the Great Debate card of Chase and I, me in my New York Giants jersey and Chase in his Falcons jersey. So obviously, if you guys know anything about football, the Cowboys are a division rival of the Giants. They also have to be my least favorite sports franchise in history of all sports. I hate the fucking Cowboys. They maybe I just can't stand them. Their fans are the worst. I wish. Oh, I'm gonna let it go there. But Chase is being very facetious. I can't stand the Cowboys. I need him to get that Tony Romo jersey <laughs> off the fucking screen before I lose my mind. But yes, <laughs> I'll turn it back over to you. I just had to make that disclaimer clear. <laughs> oh, you're good. And I got a little surprise for our guest today because Jay Nelly didn't expect this. What I'm going to do, because I know y'all waited so ever so long, but all for the best. I'm going to do my very best effort to play all three cards today. <laughs> Ooh, and Jay Nelly's face just went straight down. <laughs> Ooh, suck it, Squidward. <laughs> so it's game time. First, here's how this is going to roll. I'm going to well, save my little debate card for later. I might, I'm going to even save this little brand new tipsy card for later. I'm throwing the Malice in the Chalice card, baby. Malice in the Chalice. Let's take a little Malice in the Chalice swig. How about that? A little cheers to season two, baby. Cheers to season two. So, Jay Nelly, and this one actually goes to you for the Malice in the Chalice. Let's talk about kind of our off-season adventure and <laughs> what went down how we went to the ever so fantastic wilderness lodge from there we jumped over to the boardwalk inn and then we went to disney's animal kingdom lodge what an adventure that was let's dive into it jay nelly let's start off where the drinking began where the drinking began sir so the very first uh, resort that we went to to celebrate season one was Disney's Wilderness Lodge. I don't know if any of you have been there before. If you haven't, do it. It's great. Uh, but you know, the, the drinking really began when uh, it was. I believe that uh, what was it? It was Saturday. It was a Saturday, <laughs> and we were watching some college football, <laughs> and we decided to. Uh, we wanted to get to our room early. Our room, of course, wasn't ready, because why would it be? <laughs> and then we're like, you know what? In the meantime, <laughs> we're just going to go ahead and go to the pool bar. So we go to sit at the pool bar. Uh, first, we go to sit down at one of the seats. And then we were told, uh, you can't sit there because there's a list. And then no one ever sat there afterwards because there was no list. They just didn't like the fact that we sat down without saying anything. So we'll throw that out there. Um, but then, you know, we go up to the pool bar. We had some good old... Uh, Pina coladas, and just like the song says, if you like pina coladas, 
And getting caught in the rain, because we actually got caught in the rain too, so it was kind of funny. <laughs> it started raining there. Uh, the pool, uh, we kept having, we got to go in, then we had to get out. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Disney before in the resorts, but anytime there's like inclement weather where there's thunder or lightning within a certain mile radius, they shut down the pool. So we get there, we go swimming for all five minutes, and all of a sudden we get whistled out, then we get back in there we get whistled out again like 10 minutes after that so it was kind of funny there uh but yeah we had uh we had some good pina coladas in there brought uh brought the wine out uh you know had some had some sips of the wine at, at the room there we had uh we went to what was it called it wasn't the roaring fork what the heck was the name of the restaurant that we ate whispering at whispering canyon Cafe. yeah yeah the whispering canyon for, that was so good. The fact that was an all-you-can-eat thing, like you know, you can bring the same plate back as many times over. That was, uh, I, I gained a couple pounds in that one, man. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun, you know. And, and you know, the, the theming of Wilderness Lodge is probably my favorite too. It's like very rustic, outdoorsy environment. It has like the geysers that shoot up every whatever on the timer, maybe every hour or so. Had two hot tubs. Um, one was five degrees warmer than the other one. It was interesting, um, but yeah. It was really cool, and then actually, we actually met some people who ended up uh, following the show because we were talking to them about fantasy fiction, and you know they were pretty knowledgeable, you know, just for random guests that we saw, and you know we just struck out a conversation. They loved, uh, you know, what we were doing, and you know, so that was great. We got to make some more connections during that time at uh, Wilderness Lodge, and so then, for that being said, I'll turn it over to Chase to talk a little bit about uh, our boardwalk experience. Oh man, the boardwalk uh, that was great. Went to Disney's Epcot, it's phenomenal. Went and drank around the world. Went over to the Italy area. I think uh, two <laughs> shots in, I was already spilling drinks yep. <laughs> everywhere I go. It was so bad. Um, you know, bought some Demon Slayer attire just to annoy Jay Nelly. <laughs> and uh, then uh, we went over to the very end was our, our last celebration to celebrate. Uh, the season because the way we kind of did this well, was we did don't forget about the uh, the good Pepe special in, in Mexico our, our oh, special absolutely. margaritas we had yeah, some special we margaritas had the, uh, Pepe special man if y'all <laughs> ever go to Walt Disney World get the Pepe special because that thing will put you under <laughs> it will put you under sir but yeah we had a Pepe special there we Went to Italy, had shots there. That whole day was just a blur, <laughs> pretty much. And then we slowly stumbled our way back over to Disney's Boardwalk Inn while we managed to do fantasy football drafts on our phone <laughs> during the, which is going to lead into our section here in a minute, right? But uh, then at the very end, we went to Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge. It was awesome. We were hearing Buffalo get pissed at giraffes at like 3 a.m., it was great. Um, you know, it was just a, a fantastic time. And the way we kind of did it was we did it. So you had three major arcs that you saw last year, right? So we had Game of Thrones. So Game of Thrones, we started out at Disney's Wilderness Lodge. Then we had Westworld, so we went over to Disney's Boardwalk Inn. And we ended with the massive arc as Harry Potter was. So we ended at Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge. And it was uh, awesome. It was such a ride. Definitely go check out Walt Disney World if you get the chance. Um, if you get the chance to stop by and hang with Jay Nelly and I, we'll buy a couple shots, probably be under the table ourselves. <laughs> and uh, but nobody's trolling here. And with that, the malice in the chalice card goes straight to the shadows, back to the shadow realms where Jay Nelly and I went for our 
off-season adventure. You must never go there, Simba. And I, now, real quick, before, before, we, we, yeah, before we move yeah. on to that, I did want to also uh, touch on something else. We did get a little bit of special access to uh, the Yacht and Beach Club. If anyone knows about the Yacht and Beach Club, they've got the best pool on Disney property. It's actually mm-hmm. sand in the bottom of the pool that you're walking on. And so it feels like you're in the ocean in, a, in their swimming pool resort. So we got a little bit of special access in Disney's Yacht and Beach Club as well. So that was one of my highlights of, of what was going on too there. So I just definitely wanted to touch on that real quick, but I'll go ahead and uh, let you take it from there, my man. Yeah, no worries. And we saw the uh, Jake Paul fight. That was pretty cool. Uh, and with this, because we're about to start our big section for the show, I'm going to play the tipsy gypsy card on Jay Nelly himself. Fill that cup up, baby. Fill that cup up. I'm filling it up. Filling to do. Yeah, I'm <laughs> filling it up, and I got to slam this thing down. Oh, goodness. Take it to the head. Take it to the head. <laughs> All right, yeah. Drink. Here it Drink. is. So there's Drink. my cup. It's Drink. filled to the top. I've got to somehow slam this all down. So I'm going to take, uh, kind of put out a nice toast for myself, all right? Here's to you and here's to me. The best of friends will always be. If by chance you disagree, then fuck you. Here's to me. See that drink away. See that drink away. See that drink away. See that drink away. Okay, see that drink away. See that drink away. Oh, woo! Ah. Killed it, man! Killed woo. it! Killed that was it. a lot. That was, that a was lot. solid. That was solid. Oh. By the way, if you ever see Jay Nelly and I taking shots on Snapchat, he always beats me. Like, I've always accepted, like, second place. There's Ooh. nothing wrong with second. <laughs> nothing wrong with second, man. <laughs> Yikes, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel that one. Ooh. Oh, man. But um, I'm going to let Jay Nelly kick us off with our big topic today. Yeah, absolutely. We are major football fans, as you know, so you can kind of see maybe where this is going. Jay Nelly, take it away. You got it, brother. Let me catch my breath after that jug there. <laughs> oh, you better hold it. Yeah, right. You better hold no, we're that good. breath while you but, uh, <laughs> So, obviously, we're a fantasy fiction podcast. But if you've seen and listened to our episodes, you will know we throw a lot of sports references into things we talk about when we try to explain things as well. And obviously, you know what season we're in. We're in football season, baby. So we decided to kind of combine the best of both worlds. We brought sports into it today. We are going to be ranking our top 10 all-time favorite NFL players. This isn't best. We're talking about our favorites. Uh, So we are going to give you our list of our 10 favorite NFL all-time players here. As you can see, I have some, uh, you know, jerseys in the middle of the table that uh, it may be a little bit of an illusion of some people you may find in my list. I think Chase has some over there on his end as well. So that's <laughs> yeah. why we're doing this, right? It's football season. Let's have some fun with it. Uh, enjoy the, the beautiful, you know, the beginnings. Because obviously, I love the beginning of football season just because there's still hope in the air, right? All the all the gas isn't let out of the tires yet. Unfortunately, the Giants always suck the past, you know, 
I would say seven years. I guess they made the playoffs in 2016, but they didn't really do much with it. So they've been really bad for a long time. And you know, I, but the beginning of the season always brings a little bit of hope before I get my soul crushed. So without further ado, at least you have a Super Bowl, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I was able to witness two of them, so that was cool. But uh, yeah, I will say that that is what we're gonna jump into now. We're gonna bring sports into our fantasy fiction podcast for the first time today. We're not gonna make a big habit of it most of our stuff we're gonna stick with fantasy fiction but today it's just a little fun wrinkle it's nfl season's beginning of the season every team's still in the in the race so uh let's go ahead and do that so let's go ahead and uh jump on i will play our great debate card <laughs> the, the great the great debate card is going to be involved with this uh ranking uh, we're going to go back and forth. So how we're going to do it is uh, I'm going to start off with my number 10 player. Chase is going to go his number 10. And we're going to go subsequently from there till we reach our number one uh, favorite player NFL all time. So that's that's that, my brother. Let's get a little, uh, I guess I drank all my <laughs> my drinks. So I'll cheers <laughs> yeah. an empty cup to you. I'll cheers an empty cup. And cheers. Then, um, cheers. Yeah, we'll go ahead and, and get this show on the road. Um yeah, let's, I'll go ahead and start. Again, uh, this isn't just a Giants one or ranking. It's not just a Falcons ranking. This is our all-time favorite players from numerous teams, different positions. This is just going to really encompass our favorite players that ever played in the National Football League. So, my number 10 spot will go to primetime Deion Sanders. And honestly, he probably would have made it further up my list if I was around for more of his prime years, I was kind of, I was born in '92. I didn't start watching football until I was about six. That's '98. So I was really kind of at the tail end of Dion's career. And you know, obviously I'm a Giants fan, so I didn't terribly watch too much. I know he he played for the Falcons, played for the Cowboys, played for the 49ers. Like, you know, he he went around. But the reason why he makes my list is that he he was a first kind of real vocal guy right like he was the first person that it's all about him i remember a funny story he burned my giants so maybe many people might not know the story but the giants I, I, when the year that dion was drafted i think they had like the 10th or the 11th or the 13th pick it was somewhere in that range uh they brought dion in to the office and they gave him a playbook and they told him they wanted him to memorize it by a certain time period dion sanders looks at like the the front office of the giants who had given him this like really thick book uh the playbook that he was supposed to memorize he he looks at them and asks what position are you guys drafting and the giants said whatever <laughs> and the giants said whatever position it was he's like i'll be gone by then and he dropped the playbook on the desk and walked out like that's crazy man like <laughs> like no one does that he was the first person like that was really for himself right i remember saying that uh, when he ran his 40 time he just kept running right out of the building like he he ran the 40 time and then didn't stop and do any interviews or nothing he just ran right straight through out the tunnel and went back to the parking lot and left like like he was doing things that no one thought like no one was thinking about doing at the time dion was the very first like outspoken heavily talented player who did it all he was a shutdown corner he could take interceptions or kick returns or punt returns to the house he was a threat all over the field he was a hired gun people would literally sign him for a year hoping that he could get them to the super bowl with their like you know showing up their defense so with that being said that's exactly why uh Deion sanders comes in at number 10 like i said probably would go higher if uh, i had been around for more of his prime but uh as it stands Deion sanders number 10 what about you brother can't disagree with that at all man he's a he's a falcon one of the greatest Falcons ever play, <laughs> that's for sure. 
By the way, guys, I know we did say all we talk about is Quidditch on this show. That was for season one. So we figured, and if we held our own, all we talked about was Quidditch in season one. And here we are in season two, giving you a little bit of a surprise. So this one, uh, even though I entirely agree with that one, this one might cause a little bit of controversy. As you can see, probably one of the greatest jerseys of all time, too, is sitting right here. To my right, everyone else is left. That number nine, baby! Woo! Tony Romo! The gunslinger he is! The gunslinger, now you can see him calling games on Fox, occasionally on ESPN. Amazing! Man doesn't give enough credit. Used to, and by the way, guys, we are not ranking our the top 10 greatest players of all time this is our favorite top 10 okay so don't give me that much shit but whatever <laughs> listen <laughs> he is the fucking man if you didn't draft tony romo during his prime on your fantasy squad in the 13th round what the fuck were you doing <laughs> yeah tony romo my fantasy squad always took me to the playoffs I would draft Tony and Des Bryant in that one-two combo, baby. Ooh, ooh, ooh! It was it was brutal. It was great. It was great. But the things this man just did. for that, we're gonna go ahead and play the tipsy gypsy card and make <laughs> no! Chase drink and yeah! chug this whole thing. I'm just gonna interrupt Fine. that whole train of oh, thought because fuck the Cowboys, tipsy gypsy. Pour that cup, see it away. I ain't dealing with Fine. this shit. By the way, for those of y'all that can't see on the visuals, I'll try to put a clip on TikTok. My little, uh, my poor here, shout out to uh, my friend Michael. He got me this because he is a follower of our show. It's a dragon head. <laughs> so the liquor and the wine, <clears throat> see I'm losing my voice here. The wine comes out the dragon's mouth. <laughs> Dracaris. That's what I say about that. Cheers. Tipsy Gypsy. I'm about this. Yeah, is not you better, be you better, yeah, drink that whole thing All down right, too, fine. talking about the cowboys on our podcast. <laughs> like this. going yeah. under 9,000. Right yeah. Now. That's right. Chug that shit, boy. See that drink away. See that drink away. All the way. See that drink away. See that drink away. All the way. See that drink away. See that Drake away all the way. You got it, brother. It's almost gone. He's slow though. You guys see this? Takes nine years. To take one cup. There he is. There he is. Ooh. I hate you guys. By the way, for those of y'all, hey. I'm catching my breath here. Catching my breath. For those of y'all that haven't seen this. Which I'm sure you have if you followed in season one. These are our original big ass cups we had. So this thing is the size of a turvis. <laughs> I just filled it with the wine. So if that tells you, this isn't some wine glass. Talking about a 16 ounce cup. I hate you. Zero defense, sir. <laughs> Zero defense. Your fucking tipsy card is off to the shadow realm. <laughs> oh man, let's do this. That's why. Tony I Romo, oh, here he's back. Boy. Damn it. <laughs> you know what? I'm summoning the great debate card. Why? I'm going to defend the side why Tony Romo was great. And you're going to defend the side why you think Tony Romo doesn't deserve to be one of the greatest players of all time. <laughs> you go first, sir. I'll let you take it away so I can defend your nonsense. 
All right, <laughs> that's fine with me. Let's go ahead and take a look at the lack of success in the postseason. I believe in the entire time Tony Romo played for the Dallas Cowboys, which he came in halfway through the game against the New York Giants in 2006. Uh, he came in after halftime, took over for uh, Drew Bledsoe, and his very first NFL pass in the regular season was an interception to Antonio Pierce, my boy, uh, middle linebacker there. So uh, already <laughs> his, his his career was already going to, we knew what it was going to be from the first pass. Like, look, he is the ultimate, uh, you know, empty calorie <laughs> player. This is what I'll say about Tony Romo. Empty calories meaning he'll throw for a lot of yards, throw for a lot of touchdowns, but when it comes crunch time, he always fails. He always comes up short. He's only had two playoff wins from when did he stop playing 2016 he had what 10 11 years in the league right so you're telling me of all that time he was playing you could only win two playoff games and he had some stacked teams he had terrell owens he had uh what's his name he had, he had some really really big players at, at the time man the defense had roy williams terrence newman like he had no excuse he had demarcus ware on the defense you know, they uh, they had Jason Witten as the tight end. He was always carving people up. Like, they had a combination of players in the backfield with uh, Julius Jones, Marion Barber. You know, they, they, he had no excuse except for the fact that he failed. <laughs> He's, he goes, uh, uh, like, I'll, every time I would say, people were talking about how his fourth quarter stats are actually pretty good overall but his stats in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter are terrible he gives up every single game one of my favorite moments in nfl history is when he fumbles a snap of a field goal against the seahawks picks it up runs like sideways tries to dive doesn't even get a yard and he sits there his legs straight out his hands covering his face mask because he just realized that he lost their chance and moving on in that uh, playoff time period. I forget what year that was, but it was beautiful. It was beautiful to see. Uh, I think it was 2007 and 2008. It was it was beautiful to see Tony crying on the field. And then, you know, Terrell Owens crying about, that's my quarterback. Ah, you know, it's just, the Giants, <laughs> the Giants kicked them out of the playoffs in 2007 in our Super Bowl run. He threw an interception to R.W. McCorders in the end zone to seal the deal. You know, he never had the, you know, never gotten to a Super Bowl, never won a Super Bowl. He's got two playoff wins to his name all time. And, yeah, that's that's it. Like, you know, there's getting it done and there's not getting it done. He's got a lot of yardage, threw a lot of touchdowns, you know, has cool highlights. But at the end of the day, we are measured by our success, and our success is built in the postseason and he had no postseason success. So with that being said, that is why I believe Tony Romo doesn't belong anywhere near the top players of anyone's list. And on top of that, he plays for the Cowboys and fuck the Cowboys. <laughs> you make me sad. You make me sad. I think you just tore out a piece of my soul, stomped on it on the ground with your damn soulless shoes. You wearing flip-flops today, fucker? Because guess what? He's the fucking man. He's the fucking man. And we're, you know what makes you great? Rings doesn't just make you great. It's about just what you can do for the team. 
and leading a team to glory. Now, I will say it is true. I hate this because I do even remember that Jets game where he threw three interceptions. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's a fucking art form. <laughs> I think he got me negative four <laughs> that game in fantasy. But you know what he can do? No other guy can do. He is a ladies' man. And now he's married with a child, but guess who he did date? Jessica Simpson, everyone. Jessica Simpson. Name me another football player that dated Jessica Simpson. I can't name one. Uh, 0.1 Tony Romo. Okay, stat two here. Let me go into Tony's stats. I even put it on my phone today just to defend how amazing he was. Listen I love to the how story. his first point wasn't even like sports related. He talked about his personal <laughs> life on why he should belong on a sports list. Unbelievable. He's got it. Some credit. Jessica Simpson's awesome. Jessica Simpson's awesome. Um, dude, listen to this. Oh, here we go. <laughs> this guy here, like, Gypsy Gypsy's taking a hold. Taking a hold. Tony Romo, listen to this story. He was basically Kurt Warner, like a mini Kurt Warner. He was an undrafted free agent. Was signed. I still remember it to this day. It was actually the same game Aaron Rodgers went into play. Quarterback gets hurt and he goes in, but was signed as a backup to the Dallas Cowboys. He was an undrafted free agent. Played 14 seasons. From Eastern Illinois? Was made it that far. And in 2001, won the Walter Payton Award for the Ohio Valley Conference Championship in college. That was fantastic. (laughs) He was tearing up. My fucking fantasy squad, him and Dez, TD. TD. You put T and D together, what does it mean? Touchdown. Tony to Dez. Tony to Dez. Tony Dez took me to the playoffs every year. I still remember, man, uh, I was loaded that year. I had Tony Dez and then another guy. We'll talk about my top five, but I mean, so many people argue about the championships. I think it's just bad luck. I think he had some bad luck on his squad. Like maybe he was cursed like with us with the tables, but I mean, the stats don't lie, so you can't really, like, argue against what Jay Nelly said, but dude was the truth, man. My top 10, I had to put him number 10 because he's a ladies' man who took my team to the fantasy playoffs multiple times with TD, touchdown to Dez, touchdown to Dez, Tony to Dez, Tony to Dez. TDs, you can't win games without touchdowns, ladies and gentlemen. And Tony Romo is the man. And you know why? You know why everyone hates on him? Because the guy can get more ladies than you can. (laughs) That's why. And with that, the great debate card goes off to the Shadow Realms. Let's hear it for number nine, Jay Nelly. And I get it. Whatever. Screw you guys. I know y'all are saying Jay Nelly won that debate, but if you look down deep in your soul, I don't know any other player that dates Jessica Simpson. And that's all I'm saying. Back to you, Jay Nelly. All right, enough of this Tony Romo bullshit. Let's get moving on (laughs) with the rest of our rankings here. So number 10 for me was Deion Sanders. Number 10 for Chase was Tony Romo. 
let me go ahead and move into my number nine spot. Uh, okay, this is going to come with some controversy. I'm just ranking my favorite player. This has nothing to do with personal character. It's just the guy I watched on the football field was super dynamic. I'm not a fan of some of the things that happened off the field. But my number nine spot goes to Michael Vick. Michael Vick oh, was God. so dynamic. <laughs> Dear Lord. That's okay. Michael Vick was so dynamic. Uh, he was the first, like, obviously we had Randall Cunningham before. We had a little bit of Donovan McNabb. Like, you know, even Steve Young in a way, you know, scrambling quarterbacks. But no one had the straight speed that Michael Vick possessed. Like, I guess the closest person right now is Lamar Jackson in the NFL. But Michael Vick... Like, he was so unprecedented for his time. He would make so many people miss. Remember that, you know, he went into Green Bay and won a playoff game after, you know, the Falcons had been terrible for so long. Like, he made, he put a city, like, they, he made them, like, excited about football again. Like, I love Michael Vick, uh, the player. The, obviously, the person, that's not what this ranking is about. This is 100% about, 100% about <laughs> okay. the sports player. <laughs> the sports player, Michael Vick was dynamic he was unprecedented to me he was like the Allen Iverson of the NFL uh you know he wanted the ball in his hand he like not only because he fast as hell and could he run and move the chains with his legs he had a bomb he wasn't the most accurate quarterback but like man if you had if your receiver got open down the field all you had to do was flick that wrist and that ball was going 60 in the air like he had some of the craziest physical tool sets of like anyone I have ever seen on a football field and it was really really a treat to watch him play football again like I said this ranking is for the sports aspect of it the actual playing of the game all the other stuff is not what this is about but as an athlete as a football player he hits my number nine ranking in my top 10 favorite athletes or not athletes I should say top 10 favorite NFL players all time so with that I'll turn it over to Chase for his number nine you make me sad. <laughs> you make me so fucking sad. Now, I will say this. I have to agree with you. Like, his athletic talent was absolutely amazing. Like, if any... And I've been a Falcons fan since I was literally knee-high. Grew up in Georgia. Had Steve Barkowski sign a helmet for me when I was four years old. That my dad, like, pulled me into the front of the stadium where I actually met the guy. Like, trust me, like... Michael Vick, when he was drafted, I thought that was the only good draft pick we've ever made in our entire franchise history. So I have to respect, like, what you're saying. Like, from an athletic perspective, he was great. I know he had a lot of off-the-field issues. He did fucking wear a Yankees hat during a fucking Atlanta Braves playoff game. That's all I'm going to say. So you see how passionate I am about him, <laughs> but that's okay because I respect what you're saying. Like, and it, it, fucking hate that guy, but that's okay. That's okay. I'll take it. I'll take. I respect it. I respect it. So far, your rankings, I can exactly see why they're there. I'm let it slide. I'm let it slide. <laughs> All right. What's your number nine? Okay, number nine. Um. A lot of people might disagree with this, but Doug Flutie, man. Doug Flutie. We were talking about this the other day. He did some weird shit. <laughs> he's like my top ten favorite. First of all, because he's 5'9". <laughs> so he's literally my height. Dude spent in the CFL. 
He spent 12 seasons in the CFL, one in the NFL. He was like that guy they called if everyone needed a backup plan, which would have literally been me if I ever decided to play football in college, which would have been fine with that. But I just decided to go academically instead because Jay Nelly says I'm a Ravenclaw. I'm a Gryffindor. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Excuse my language. Just kidding. But no, dude, like the things this guy did, man, like he he was a winner. And for some reason, he was great at the pass. Like usually people that are short like that, they have to design some wildcat running game because people can't see over the offensive line. He was 5'9 and one of the shortest quarterbacks to ever play the game in in 1984. He was also, like, one of the best players at the quarterback position. And he even played an entire league in the American Football League, which was before the merger. So, if you all know, if you watch football, because Jane Ellen and I, is true, we do watch football. The American Football League and the National Football League used to not be together. It was the National Football League, and then they had the USA Football League. He played... Uh, an entire season in the USA Football League, and he was ranked as one of the best players in the USA Football League after being called mid-season from the CFL. And I just think that's so great. That's a great story. And uh, because of personal reasons, because we're about the same height, <laughs> I got I to gotta put him in my top 10, man. So he made number nine for me. What about I you? Don't, I don't hate number that. Eight. Doug, yeah, well, Doug Flutie's cool. Like, I don't think anyone understands the rules of football better than Doug Flutie because when he did that weird drop kick punt through the field goal <laughs> thing and got his team three points out of nowhere like had, I don't think half the nation knew you could even do that I don't even think the refs like <laughs> I think the refs had to congregate and be like wait like can he do that like like he did some really cool stuff like you just he knew the rules in and out you know so I I, I respect uh, Doug Flutie being on your list that's really cool man um cool thanks going man. into number eight for me my number eight player this guy's really cool, man. Uh, he did a lot of stuff uh, that is, I wouldn't say unsung, but people don't think of special teams too much when they think of you know top players. And again, this isn't the top players list. This is our favorite players list. And this is why part of the reason he's one of my favorite players is just because people forget about him. But uh, I don't know if you guys remember Devin Hester. Devin Hester, the return man, uh, he it was just so dynamic. Like, And I just heard some of his story uh, um with Shannon Sharp, he kind of did his, I don't know if it's a podcast or if it's just like a regular show, but he does his club Shay Shay. And I just saw a story with Devin Hester where Devin Hester said he almost had his college career taken away from him because a coach was upset that he didn't choose their school. So he broke a story saying that, uh, that he faked his SAT scores or cheated on his SAT scores. And so to like go overdo the scandal, the university of Miami was like, Hey, listen, what we're going to do, is we're gonna like straight up not play you this year at all. We're gonna pretend you're not on the team, and then we're gonna save your jersey number. We're gonna save it for next year. Just keep your nose clean and come back, and everything will be okay. So like the fact that he almost got screwed out of the, his opportunity is pretty impressive. Then on top of that, he just what's he do? He breaks Deion Sanders' record for return touchdowns in a career. Like you know, I remember I still remember that uh, that field goal. He missed the field goal, and Devin Hester caught it at the back of the end zone. And ran it back. Do you want to know why I remember that? Because it was against the fucking Giants. That's why I remember that. <laughs> he was a Falcon, baby. He was a Falcon. He was Much a Falcon respect, for a short man. amount of time. But, uh, but he was. Yeah. 
So, no, he was cool, man. He was the first uh, guy in Super Bowl history to take the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. That's really impressive. And, yeah, that's, it's not easy, especially, you know, I, I guess it's, it's even harder now because of the rule change and how much, like, closer they can kick to making it go out of bounds for a touchback because the NFL is trying to get away from uh, kickoff returns and as a whole. But the fact of the matter is this guy took so many – like, it, the people would – actively try to stay away from putting the ball in his hand like they would punt it out of bounds they would literally take kickoffs where they would give the other team the ball at the 40 by kicking the ball out of bounds versus giving it to Devin Hester because they was so dangerous of what he could do <laughs> when the ball went in his, was in his hand so it's not the sexiest pick but people forget about him but Devin Hester really deserves like some credit here and that's why he's one of my favorites because he is breaking records doing all these great things and people feared him but like no one ever thinks of or talks about him anymore. So Devin Hester made my uh, top ten list at coming in at number eight. What about you? What's your number eight? You know what's so sad is I can't disagree with you with any of your picks. Like every single one of your picks is on fire right now. Like Devin Hester was the man. Devin Hester was a beast, dude. Like I can't argue with that at all. People forget he played for the Bears. He was a beast there. You know your shit, Jay Nelly. <laughs> you know your shit, man. And yeah, that tipsy gypsy card is taking its toll. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I gotta respect it, man. Like every single one of your picks has been on fire right now, and and I think the biggest part about your picks right now too is there are a lot of players that a lot of people overlook because they only look at say offensive weapons or you have that quarterback player that gets Super Bowl MVP every time uh, and and that's what truly makes a great football team is is weapons like that in a special teams player and stuff like that so can't argue with it man as much as I hate to say it <laughs> mad respect brother mad respect um, number eight. This is going to cause some controversy here because he couldn't even throw a pass. <laughs> and I think you know who we're going with, but I don't give a fuck because this guy is a winner, dude. He is a winner. Number 15, Tim Tebow. My boy, man, comes in at number eight for me today. And here's why. Right? Not only did he actually win the Broncos, that playoff win against the Steelers, when he came in as a backup all year because they did not plan on him being the head starting quarterback. But the guy's a winner, man. Even going back to college, and yes, I'm a little biased because I am a Florida Gator. Go Gators. We should have won that Alabama game. But whatever, we'll let it slide, man. We'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. Whatever, bro. Whatever. Something about the guy. And we won't go into the all the praying thing. Of course, you know, like Jane Ellie and I are, are um, you know, we believe our own religious stuff. But something about the guy, he is a winner. And I, I think there's something to be said for that. Um, because as you know, if you've ever played football before, and I know a lot of mine haven't gone into stats and that sort of thing, but it's something amazing about his character and he can lead a team. It's like he makes everyone great around him. He makes the receivers great. He makes the tight ends great. He makes the offensive line great. It's 
it's amazing what he can do. And I still remember the speech he gave in his college football years. Urban Meyer, who's having some problems <laughs> right now. I heard he, uh, you know, he's been doing the jig. <laughs> he's been doing the Harry Potter jig on the weekends from what we've heard. But uh, Tim Tebow told ironically Aaron Hernandez which uh so glad they removed his statue he was a horrible person but uh he was telling and Riley Cooper who was just <laughs> awful too great NFL players but we shall never speak of them not a fan of those two but he was telling the group he said I don't care what happens what happens in the second half we're taking it down for a touchdown and we're winning the football game and I guarantee you that and something about this man, even though he worked with an entire quarterbacks coach in the offseason to try to learn how to throw left-handed because he wasn't NFL style, there's something to say about that. And I can't even put words on it because I get it, guys. Like, his stats were trashed. <laughs> his stats were utter garbage. But if the guy can win, the guy can fucking win. And I still remember that year. He went all the way to the playoffs, and the only person he got smashed by is uh, the greatest of all time. <laughs> so just throwing that out there. And I think there's something to be said for that. So for that, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that. Tim Tebow is number eight. What about you, my man? What you think? So I think Tebow's cool. Like again, this is a favorite player's list. This isn't a best player's list. So like it's all subjective to what the person thinks. You know, yourself and myself when we're putting these, uh, you know, names and slots for you know positioning on our top ten. And now I think that the you know, one thing I did want to say is uh, he didn't start as a backup the whole year. They went one and four with Kyle Orton, yeah. and then they benched him, and then he came in at one and four. Then took him to the playoffs yeah. and beat the Steelers at Heinz Field, which. And then he and he did that mostly with his arm. He threw 316 yards, and yeah, he, he was a winner. I used to joke around with my friends all the time because like Tony Romo <laughs> would give away games late, and Tim Tebow win games late. I'm like, dude, if like the Cowboys signed Tim Tebow and had Tony Romo play like four quarters, like oh, like like uh, you know all the game except the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, then put t- uh, Tim Tebow in in the last five minutes, the Cowboys would be undefeated. <laughs> they would never lose a game, right? Like you know, it's, right. like, Tony can yeah. keep you in the game by slinging it, and you know he ends up fucking it up at the end. Where Tebow can't really keep you in the game, but he can get you back into it when it's crunch time. So like, <laughs> you know, if they, they, I always used to joke around that you know they should uh, have Tony Romo play for three and a half quarters and then Tim finish it off, and they wouldn't lose. But yeah, no, he's cool, man. Like, he's he's a good character guy. He like, he was you know a good locker room asset to people. Uh, you know, coaches like coaching him. It just yeah, it, it takes uh, you know. I think that uh, we always joke around, uh, my friends and I, about the the Gators squad <laughs> during that time, the 2008 Gators, that they need their own 30 for 30 because you know they had Aaron Hernandez, the Pouncey brothers, <laughs> Riley Cooper, all led by Tim Tebow. Like, wonder what the hell that locker room looked like. That was wild. So look, yeah, like listen, as a, as a as a player, I think he's the only one that kept them together. I think the big joke was even going back to season one where we talk about you know Tyrion and the Gadfly. Like, it's like a, a pastor, a racist, and a murderer going to a bar. <laughs> right. So bad, bro. So bad. It's, yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't disagree. Hernandez I don't disagree Ryan. with your uh, putting him on your top 10 favorites list. You know, he's there. 
Uh, for me, I'll kind of go into my number seven right now, and this is one of the jerseys you guys can see on, uh, well, if you're watching it on YouTube, you can see it, or I'll describe it to you. So it's funny because he only played for the Giants for one season and got injured in that season, uh, ironically enough, against the Dallas Cowboys, the very same game that Tony Romo came in at halftime against us. Uh, but he played for uh, a couple of years before that with the Washington football team. That wasn't their name back then. I won't go into that. Um, but I'm a big uh, LeVar Arrington fan. So LeVar Arrington, yeah. uh, he hits the number seven spot on my list. LeVar Arrington who came from Penn State. He won the Dick Buckus Award. He was one of the top picks in the draft, I think, in 2002. And he immediately made his presence known. He wore 56, which obviously I didn't put Lawrence Taylor on my list just because I didn't really, I couldn't really appreciate him. I wasn't really alive for when he was, you know, playing, so I couldn't put Lawrence Taylor there. But Lavar Arrington kind of played very similarly to Lawrence Taylor. And I remember Lavar Arrington actually is the one that hit uh, Troy Aikman his final concussion and ended Troy Aikman's career. So. Not like not that I'm rooting for that, but I'm glad that we got to get Aikman out of there. Um, but you know, <laughs> he he had those like wild games where he would have like 16 tackles in a game. That they had this. Uh, I think it was 2005, uh, 2004, 2005 in the playoffs against the Buccaneers. The dude had like 13 tackles, like a forced fumble. Like, it was just a, he was just uh, someone that could wreak havoc. Man, he was smart. He was like strong, and then obviously we got him, and the Giants got him in 2006, and he it was number 55 for us because we already retired Lawrence Taylor's jersey number. And I remember like going on like Google uh, when I was in high school, and I printed out this thing that had like a New York license plate and had Lavar Arrington uh, number 55 on one side and Lawrence Taylor 56 on the other side, like the changing of the guard. And I was super excited for this, uh, you know, this acquisition. And then he ended up rupturing his Achilles. But right after he had sacked Drew Bledsoe for a safety in that game <laughs> where we actually got Drew Bledsoe out of there to bring in Tony Romo, who took over from there. So, uh, But he ended up rupturing his Achilles. He had never came back to play because back then in those days, the medical treatment was not what it is today. So, um, yeah, after he ruptured his Achilles, he just never played football again, and which is uh, which is sad. You know, I really would have liked to see him, you know, uh, kind of – live out and really work out like a whole career with the Giants after coming over from Washington. It just didn't happen that way. But he's still one of my favorite players. He was a beast on the field, a team captain, like ruthless, hits like crazy, could pass cover as well, just an all-around great linebacker. And uh, his career got cut short, but uh, he still makes my list at number seven. Can't argue with that, dude. He was solid. He, um, <clears throat> I would say... Yeah, I mean, he, he honestly, like, he was kind of like a defensive quarterback of that team <laughs> for that time. Like, LeVar Arrington, if you don't know who that name is, then uh, you probably don't ever watch football. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. So, uh, number seven for me is actually Kurt Warner. Okay. And, uh, Dude, he was bagging groceries. <laughs> Literally, he was the grocery bagger for the longest time. He was told by his coaches, I will give you a bonus when you can throw a spiral. <laughs> like, he was that guy. And, dude, like, you got to respect the guy, man. Like, he came from nothing into something. And uh, he played 12 seasons in the NFL, you know, back with the St. Louis Rams before they went to L.A., 
And then uh, the Arizona Cardinals, I still remember this. They beat my Falcons in the playoffs. <laughs> another another loss for us. You know, as Falcons fans, here was what we do. We witness Super Bowl losses. <laughs> That's what we do. I've seen two Super Bowls, and we lost both. <laughs> That's exactly what happens as a Falcons fan. But, uh... He was an undrafted free agent, and I think that's why I keep picking, like, my top players here is, like, I love the stories of, like, someone going from nothing to something, right, that made the most out of it. And then he was a two-time most valuable player, Super Bowl MVP, and it's actually regarded as one of the greatest NFL stories in history of all he's accomplished. And now you can still see him on Fox, ESPN, as a host. And uh, for even that kind of position, like, as everyone knows, like a quarterback, usually quarterbacks, that's what NFL teams are looking for in the draft. Like, they're doing everything they can because you get a quarterback that you can last for your entire franchise, that sets you apart from the other teams. One player, it is true, football is a team sport. It's not like basketball where one player changes the entire game. However, if you can get a solid quarterback to lead the team, it changes the entire momentum of the game. And, I, and I'm and i a defensive player, and I, I've always said, defense builds championships, offense puts fans in the stands. As you know, Jay Nelly is an offensive guy. I'm a defensive guy. We do know football. Both of us have played in our uh, careers <laughs> so we both do get it but uh, i do think there's something to be said for that the fact that the guy came from nothing to something and he was a super bowl mvp and just like our own jay nelly said you know it is true i hate to say it like it is rings that separate you from being great and this is our favorite players list which is why tony roma is on there he would not be on the greatest players list <laughs> but there is something to be said for that so i gotta put kurt warner as my number seven what about you man i like kurt warner he was cool he had the greatest show on turf they had a good little uh like thing going there i thought it was funny because like isaac uh, Bruce and Tori Holt are a carbon copy of each other and their stats are almost identical and uh, they also have Marshall Falk back there one of the better running backs so they had a really fun squad man and then obviously Kurt Warner with his run with the Arizona Cardinals to the Super Bowl against the Steelers which I was hoping that they would have gonna pull off and win but they didn't you know so uh, yeah I, I got no problem with Kurt Warner being on anyone's list of favorite players he's a cool guy like you said bagging groceries Super Bowl MVP <laughs> that's pretty cool <laughs> there you go man. um my number six spot will go to uh, Adrian Peterson, Mr. All Day himself. Now, uh, yeah. this is we're starting to kind of get to you know some players that are more recognizable for maybe some of the younger fans too. And the thing is, like, I really hope that some of the younger fans realize that you know he's not just been this journeyman running back going from team to team trying to stat pad. At one point in time, Adrian Peterson was the best football player on the, the field period not like not just best running back the best football player on the field he got yeah. the ball in his hand he would run through like like he was a, one of the very few running backs that would look for contact he's like oh you're gonna come tackle me mm-hmm. bet i'm gonna put my shoulder down and run you the fuck over and then just run through the, into the end zone like and, and, and he's he's so crazy because he put his whole career at risk in uh oklahoma when he did that like front flip into the end zone broke his collarbone and then 
and like like yeah, infected his draft position. Then you know the, the Vikings ended up taking him, and he became one of the best running backs of all time. He, I think he's ranked number five right now in terms of all time rushing yardage leaders. I think it's uh, Emmett, uh, Walter, Frank Gore, Barry, and then him. Uh, so he only he's he's right there. Like it's uh, he's he's so like in his prime. It's just something if you didn't see it, you missed out because. It, he had a great combination of size, power, and speed that you just don't see in in running backs, and especially more in more of a passing league. It was trending to be more of a passing league during his prime too. And like I remember the time he actually tore his uh, ACL, and he came back the year after he tore his ACL. The very year afterwards, the ACL is a very debilitating injury for anybody but like especially a running back who i don't know the position is to run the football you know what i mean so like the fact of the matter he came back from that acl injury and then was nine yards shy of breaking the all-time record for rushing yards in a season in 2012 my man's had over 2,000 yards and was nine yards short of breaking i believe it was eric dickinson's all-time record um but man like what it's so crazy that he did that like coming off of the acl tear and it's just I got a lot of respect for him. Obviously, he had his like off the field issues too with the whole, you know, beating his kid with the cane switch thing. But you know, we're talking, <laughs> yo, we're talking about people like on, the, on their, their athletic. Care. Yeah, I, <laughs> we're talking about their athletic abilities and what I saw on the field as a football player and well, you know what I saw on the football field as a football player is enough to put him at number six on my all time favorites list for all time NFL players. So that's my number six. I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, man, and. uh that was a perfect transition <laughs> because the other guy on my list was also a Viking at one point. <laughs> um, and, you know, a guy that didn't make my list, I got to give a shout out to his LT. LaDainian Tomlinson is the man. I, I really wanted to put him on my list, but it's about favorite players, not great players. And um, But he is one of the greatest. But going back to Vikings here, Randy Moss! <laughs> One of the greatest receivers of all time, in the words of Lil Wayne, I be like Randy Moss. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, baby. He's a fucking beast. Honestly, I can say what made Tom Brady's career for a couple of years was Randy Moss. Like, people can say whatever the fuck they want. Randy Moss is the shit. Played in the National Football League for 14 seasons with the Minnesota Vikings, Oakland Raiders, New England Patriots, Tennessee Titans, and San Francisco 49ers. He was the guy that had to bounce from team to team to make himself great, but he was that piece that everyone wanted to sign to seal the deal. Like, that's who Randy Moss was. He is actually regarded as one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. He is the leader of the NFL single-season touchdown reception record with 23, and he broke that record in 2007. Um, in 1998, he was also the second on the NFL all-time regular season touchdown reception list. We'll go into who is uh, the leader on that my list later. But Randy Moss... And you know what I love about Randy Moss, man? Like, he's a country boy. <laughs> like me. Like, came from nothing to something. And I think you've seen a pattern with this. <laughs> with, like, all the players on my list. But Randy Moss, like, 
I still remember sitting in my kitchen in high school, listening to him say when he was on the Vikings, like, I'll be honest, I don't think I'm really respected here. <laughs> then he goes off to the Patriots. Did not give a fuck, bro. <laughs> Did not give a fuck. But if you had Randy Moss on your squad, you were scoring touchdowns. And you were definitely going to playoffs. Like, all Tom Brady ever had to do <laughs> is throw the ball in the air, and Randy Moss is going to find a way to go get it. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Randy Moss takes my uh, number six on the list. Or what are we, number five? Sorry, No, number, number six. six. Number six on the list. Randy Moss. Uh, I, I think he's just like people overlook him all the time and uh, wide receivers don't give enough, get enough respect. Even with downfield blocking, people forget that even if they're not scoring touchdowns all the way to downfield blocking, you're opening and opening up areas for other players to make plays. And uh, Randy Moss, number six on my list, man. I love Randy Moss. The thing is, I love Randy Moss, too. And you might hear him later uh, uh, coming up here in just uh, a little bit. But the, all the things you said, like the reasons you gave were like the worst. <laughs> Number one, Tom Brady Tom Brady was not made by Randy Moss. He only had Randy Moss for two seasons because he got injured in 2008. So he didn't have him for that season. He had him for 2007, 2008, 2009. But 2008, Tom wow, Brady was whatever. injured. <laughs> Tom Brady didn't play in 2008. He was he, That was the one year he sat out because he was, got injured in the Kansas City game. But he played again in 2009, and then... That he got he got traded in 2010, but uh, he wasn't the guy that bounced around to be made great. Like I'm, I'll get back to Dream Up. There are so many things you said that are just factually inaccurate that made me so mad. <laughs> like like <laughs> fuck you, so Like I know, but like, like just because like I like, fuck man, off. Like, I'm enjoying my holiday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll get back to Randy later on. But let me go ahead into my number five favorite player uh, NFL all time, and that number five spot goes to my boy Brett Favre. I Fuck love, yes! I Fuck love Brett Favre. Like, like he is the only quarterback that made my list because, like, he was the most fun. Started off with the Atlanta Falcons, would go to practice drunk. <laughs> like, he didn't give a shit about anything. <laughs> like, my guy would literally see his receiver and chill coverage, and he's like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna launch it right in there and see what happens." Like, yo, know, and fortune favors the bold, man. Like, he. He led the. He had the all-time record for yards in a career and for touchdowns for a while until obviously they're broken by Peyton and then Drew and then Tom and all that. But like, the fact is like Brett was a good old boy, man. He was just <laughs> a, he just grabbed that ball and launched. I remember people saying that when he would throw the ball at them, it would break their fingers. Like if they like jammed it and didn't catch it right, like their fingers would be all mangled because of how much heat my boy would put on the ball. And like he had a little bit of magic too. And he ended up going over to the Vikings. I remember that game. I think they played against San Francisco, and like uh, he hit that one guy in the back of the end zone, number seventeen for the Vikings, uh, and and uh, he it was something Lewis that he hit him in the back of the end zone. I was at Buffalo Wild Wings, and I watched it, and I was like only a couple of seconds left on the on the clock, and I was like, oh my gosh, that guy is a beast. And then he would do stupid stuff like <laughs> like 
mess up his whole team's chances in the playoffs when he threw a, an interception. All he had to do was run the ball and get in field goal range and win the game for the Vikings. You guys remember that against the Saints. He's like, no, let me go ahead and throw it. And then Tracy Porter's like, thank you, I'll take that ball. <laughs> but, like, yeah, man, it stinks that, you know, that he didn't get – because I thought he could end up winning that Super Bowl uh, that that year because he would have played against Peyton and that would have been really cool to see Peyton and uh, Brett one on one against that for the Super Bowl title that'd been cool but yeah. regardless his time in Green Bay was amazing obviously he had Donald Driver he had Amon Green for a little bit Bubba Franks if you guys remember that guy Greg Jennings like he had some fun players to play with too but he he was ha- he had the most fun I remember him like lifting people up over his shoulders like when he would do like, cool <laughs> things like score touchdowns or big plays or whatever like. He reminded me of a kid having fun on a playground every time he stepped onto the field. And I just appreciate that so much about Brett Favre, that he didn't care about the stats or the interceptions. or basically, I don't even think he really cared about winning or losing. He's like, dude, I'm coming out here to have some fun, and I don't give a fuck. And that's exactly what Brett Favre did. <laughs> and so, yeah, man, Brett Favre, uh, he makes my, my top five. You know, He made it into the fifth spot for my all-time favorite players. Literally the same. <laughs> Let's go. I like have Brett Favre at number five, man. I cannot argue with that. I have the exact same Brett Favre as the fucking man. Um, keep in mind, you know, he led 11 playoff runs, seven division titles, uh, one championship title for Super Bowl 31, uh, which, you know, that's, a, that's enough to be said for itself, man, but... Dude, he was insane. He was uh, that country boy. I always talk about country boys. He was from Southern Miss. You know, he'd always be talking to the refs. He'd be like, you never think God ever farted? <laughs> yeah, he's a weirdo. But yeah, he was great, dude. He was fantastic. Um, I, actually, one of my claims to fame was I did call, though, that he would throw that pick six in the Vikings territory during the playoffs and lose that game. However, I will say this. Shout out to my brother, Blake Brown. He's the biggest uh, Brett Favre fan I've ever met. He actually has a signed um, picture from Brett Favre from back when he was in the Falcons <laughs> a long ass time ago people forget he was drafted by the Falcons like Jay Nelly was saying and he even has a signed Green Bay photo uh, that our grandmother got him for Christmas one year that she had to bid for on an auction back when he did get all the fame so my brother that that would be his number one hands down but yeah, man, like it's it's like that winning factor too. Like it was something about him. I think he was one of the first two to kind of bring the whole mobile quarterback idea to the game because the things he could do and the audibles he could come up with were just unmatched. But I think you uh, hit the nail on the head with that one, so I'm not gonna harp on that one too much. So let's go ahead and jump into uh, yeah, your number four, man. Sounds like a plan, and here we go with the visuals, bringing it back into it. On this side over here, my right, your left, you will see another Giants jersey. My fourth favorite player in the all-time in the NFL is Tiki Barber. I uh, love Tiki Barber. He was the all-Giants all-time rushing leader. It sucks that, like, you know, he has a sour experience with them afterwards because he retired, and then they won the Super Bowl, like, the year after he retired with Brandon Jacobs, Derek <laughs> Ward, and Ahmad Bradshaw, and... I think he was a little salty about that because he said like Eli Manning's 
leadership skills were comical. He's just being really said nasty things about the Giants organization. So, man, it stinks it turned out like that. But watching him play on the field for the Giants was so much fun. Like, he is my favorite Gi Giants player for sure. He's just exciting. Every time he ran the ball, you didn't know where it was going to go. Like, he was fast. He had a fumbling problem early in his career, but then he was like the poster boy of not fumbling anymore when he did a high and tight, and they still teach that to this day. And, um, man, I remember he could he busted out a few 200-yard games that I can remember once against Washington. He was just The way he ran didn't even look like he was going too fast, but my man's always was in the top, and he was so close, so damn close in 2005 <laughs> to, the, uh, to winning the rushing title against Sean Alexander. And uh, Sean Alexander had 1,880 yards. Tiki rushed for 1,860 yards. So he, he lost out on the title by 21 yards. Ah, maybe it, like, it tore me up inside because I love Tiki Barber. And that was during a really, you know, I would say a golden era of running backs. He had Sean Alexander, Tiki Barber, LaDainian Tomlinson, uh, Larry Johnson, you know, Warwick Dunn. Brian Westbrook like you had like a lot of really cool running backs and you, the fact that he was at the, the the cream of the cream up there with the the best of the best <laughs> the like, cream of the cream yeah man he was so good man <laughs> like I I Tiki is my guy like it doesn't matter what happened afterwards we're talking about people that we saw on the field and uh Tiki Barber is my fourth favorite NFL player of all time what's your number four mad respect man can't argue with that Tiki Bar Barber was awesome um it's Peyton Manning, oh, yeah. <laughs> dude. I gotta give him number four, man. Peyton Manning, uh, he earned the nickname the Sheriff because he was basically like a coach on the field. Um, I know a lot of people give him a lot of shit about his Super Bowl wins, but you know he played 18 seasons in the NFL. And say what you want, the guy is one of the greatest to ever play quarterback. I mean, you can see him break down film on ESPN right now. Uh, he's funny as shit <laughs> on SNL. Dude, the guy had it going on. He was the man. Um, you know, I really thought that year when he was playing with the Broncos, after he left the Colts, after all those years, uh, he was going to take down the Ravens. And I still think that was one of the best playoff games I've ever seen. And I'm not a Broncos fan. And good lord i'm not a ray lewis fan or ravens fan <laughs> but uh uh it was one of the greatest games i've ever seen in my entire life still to this day um even just being on the edge of my seat and i had no loyalty to any of those teams and the things he could do on the field with omaha omaha were unmatched yeah peyton manning so uh i gave Peyton Manning, uh, my number four, man. Yeah, Peyton's okay. I'm not the biggest fan of Peyton. Like, he was supposed to be good, right? Like, he was, like, the, the you know, premier poster boy of, you know, this is going to be the future of the NFL. He, he was the first, well, actually, he was the second Odora draft pick that year because they had the whole Ryan Leaf thing, and Ryan Leaf kind of tanked out. But, you know, he was, like, I don't care too much about Peyton. He was supposed to be good, and, yeah, he lived up to what his, you know, pedigree was great but uh, uh for me going into number three it's funny you're talking about you're not like a ravens fan or whatever because my number three guy is a raven it is uh number three on jay nelly's all-time favorite nfl player list is ed reed boy the best safety you've ever seen I almost boy put on mine i didn't oh. do it <laughs> i didn't do it man <laughs> 
I Ed love Reed. Ed Reed. This man could do so many things on the football field. He was a defensive spokesperson, a captain. He could. He was a ball hawk. He knew where the ball was in the air. Not only could he take the ball away from you, he could score once he took the ball away from you at any part of the field. I remember him having a 108-yard interception return for a touchdown, which is absurd. And like he, he wasn't just someone who could take the ball away. He would hit your ass hard too. My dude would pop you. Like I've seen some Ed Reed hits that were nasty. Uh, you know, yeah. he, and same thing with him on punt returns. Like they would sometimes just put him up as a punt returner just to see what he could do with the ball in his hand. He was just one of those guys that had a nose for the end zone and a nose for where the ball was at all times. You know, if I remember Bill Belichick saying it's very hard to coach against uh, Ed Reed because Ed Reed's just so intelligent and is always in the right place at the right time because he just knows football and he hits hard. He takes the ball away. He puts his team in positions to score. That two thousands. I know he didn't. He wasn't on the two thousands team that went to the Super Bowl, but. Like when he was after he was drafted, that defense was already stacked, and it only got better when uh, Ed Reed was there. He had two, you know, Hall of Fame players and Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, and that was that was a one hell of a one-two punch. You know, you know Ray at the middle area, and then you know Ed on the back end. It was very very hard to get anything off on those players. Like they were just really good at their job. And so, yeah, Ed Reed, boy, the best safety ever seen, boy, comes in at number three on my all-time players list. I can't argue with it. He's He's the man. Like, uh, and a lot of people don't know. In high school, I played free safety. <laughs> so, like, one person I always looked up to was Ed Reed. The shit he did on the field was unmatched. It wasn't even fucking real. <laughs> it was ins- it was like Madden. It was Madden the way he played the game. It was Ed Reed is the man. I couldn't put him on my list because this is my top ten favorite players. But uh, I would argue Ed Reed is one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And uh, safety, people can say whatever you want. I was a free safety. Safety is one of the most important positions. (laughs) We get a lot of shit because we're not on offense, but whatever. (laughs) Say whatever you want, man. Um, Anyways, uh, so uh, going to my number three. I don't have to say much about him because his reputation speaks for himself. Let's just say this. I always hated the Patriots, and then I said if he won this game, I would support him ever since. Tom fucking Brady. Best of all time. Seven Super Bowl rings. Say what you want. The guy's the fucking goat, man. Uh, I always hated the Patriots. I couldn't stand them. Actually, the year they played your Giants when Eli Manning won, for some reason, he just won me over, man. And then the year after that, when he came back and won, I was like, I got to support this guy. Even when he wore the whole vampire collar thing in the press conference, I was like, all right, fuck it, it's Tom Brady. He can still do whatever the fuck he wants, dude. And now he goes to Tampa. Like, the coach he's been with for so long on the Patriots. You know, they split apart. And everyone's saying it was all Bill Belichick. And he goes down there to Tampa. One of my Falcons' arch rivals wins the entire shit with a team he's just thrown into. Guy is great. Like, I don't know how anyone can argue with that. Tom Brady making my top list. Um... I mean, I, I just don't know how anyone can argue with that. So Tom Brady makes my number three, man. What about you? So going into number two for me, 
Uh, this is one's gonna be funny for a lot of you people out there who you know watch River Buggy fans like the 2005-ish to 2009-ish time period. But uh, my boy Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson. Man. Ocho Cinco, baby. <laughs> nice. I love Chad nice. Johnson, brother. He was that. He was like the first receiver that was really out there. Like, we had Keyshawn Johnson before who would talk a lot, but like Chad Johnson wouldn't just talk. He would talk shit. He would tell you what route he was going to run and still run it. I still remember one day he told his coach that he takes Viagra before every game. <laughs> like this guy was doing river dances in the end zone, like all these sort of like celebrations that were that made the NFL change the rules to like excessive <laughs> celebrating. Like he's a person that drew he had so many fines. They find him so many times for being himself. And it's funny cuz like he's actually a trailblazer for a lot of people who can celebrate now today since the like the NFL's kind of changed into like a more player, you know, friendly in a way. But uh, it, it was just, he was great. He would tell you exactly what he was going to do. Then you still couldn't stop it. His footwork was crazy. He was probably the best pure route runner that maybe the NFL has ever seen. You know, everyone respects him. He's funny as hell. Like, he, he has like the best skits. And he would just talk a lot of shit, and he would back it up with his performance on the field. And he wasn't a big guy either. He was someone, what, in the 5'8 to 5'10 range. He wasn't tall at all. He was a small guy comparatively to everyone else on the field. I remember one time he tried to uh, to blindside Ray <laughs> Lewis, and Ray ran right through his ass. And he got up. He's like, good play, Ray. <laughs> he got me. He goes to the side. He's like, I tried to crack back on Ray. Ran my ass over. <laughs> it's so funny, dude. Like, I love Chad Johnson. I still follow him to this day. I think uh, my I, I, I don't have a personal Twitter. Like, I do have an account. I don't think I've logged on to it since 2011. But like I think my very first Twitter I ever tweeted was at Ocho Cinco saying, dude, I, I, I admire your game so much. Like, I'd love to like you know um, figure out how to, to do like your footwork and how, all that nonsense because it's crazy. Like, so, yeah, Chad Johnson – Changes his name to Ocho Cinco, <laughs> like because he he put it on his thing, got fined, <laughs> put it on his jersey, got fined for it. So what did he do? He legally changed his name to Ocho Cinco, so they couldn't do anything about it. I remember Carson Palmer being so pissed off, he grabbed his thing and ripped it off, like where he put Ocho Cinco over Johnson, and the they got like flagged for it. And he, Carson Palmer just ripped off the name tag on the back. And so they definitely couldn't do it. And Chad's like, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go ahead and legally change it. And now you have to. So, uh, dude, he was, he was his own Absolutely person. Phenomenal. He had a lot of fun on the field. And I had a lot of fun watching it. It was sad to see the way his career ended just because he made some stupid mistakes. Uh, you know, you can't do that, you know. Keep your hands off women. That's all you, you should you should not have to be told that. So uh, that's unfortunate, <laughs> yeah, but that's bad. off the field stuff. It's Again, bad. this is our favorite athletes on the field. So Chad Johnson coming in at number two. He was great, man. I remember when he thought about taking that Vikings helmet <laughs> and running all the way around the stadium. <laughs> he got a touchdown. Dude, he was Batman and Robin with T.O. for the longest time, dude. Chad Johnson is the man except for what he did off the field. But, yeah, he's, he was awesome, man. Uh, with that being said, you know, another little flashy guy that came up on your list Prime time, baby, Deion Sanders. My number two, he was a Falcon and a Cowboy. How can you beat that? That says, I love America. Is what that says. Actually, a lot of people don't know. 
Deion Sanders was the only person to score a touchdown and hit a home run in the same exact day. Not only did he play for the Falcons, get an interception and a pick six, but the same exact day, he also hit a home run for the Atlanta Braves, baby. Deion Sanders in prime time. Um, he was the flashiest motherfucker I've ever seen in my life, but I, I loved him. I thought he was fantastic. Uh, I love the way just the way he carried himself. He was like the villain of the NFL for the longest time, but everyone loved him for it, and it was great for that. Deion Sanders makes number two. Jay Nelly hit Deion Sanders nailed on the head earlier in this episode. I will let him take it away with number one on his list. Well, I think I spoiled a little bit of it earlier when I got mad at Chase for what he said about my guy here, but my number one all-time player favorite all-time player is my boy randy the boss moss (laughs) i love me some randy moss so this guy was named the freak for a reason the he would run i think it said a 429 unofficially he ran a 429 unofficially for someone that size it's unheard of uh, he could jump out of the building. He could somehow keep his legs inbounds. Like, no one could catch him. All he would do would put his arm up. Any quarterback would just launch that ball, and he would go fine in the air. He made Dante Culpepper look like a Pro Bowl quarterback for three years. He let, Like, not only that, he came into the league, and I don't know if anyone, if you guys aren't avid football watchers, uh, a rookie wide receiver normally does not make an immediate like it doesn't make his presence felt immediately it's something that they kind of have to grow into there's an adjustment period because of the way defenses play and how to kind of get around coverage and stuff like that so there's usually you know a time period of, of that but for any moss it didn't exist he set the rookie record for touchdown receptions in his in his rookie year at 17 17 touchdown receptions <laughs> in 1998 that's absurd like no one's been doing that and then he was hilarious off the field too when he got, I remember when he got a fine some guy in the parking lot asked him how are you going to pay that fine he said straight cash homie <laughs> then I remember another time he got pissed off in an interview he looks at the reporter he's like I'm going to ask myself the questions and give all and give y'all the answer and that's how this is going to go down <laughs> so, and he would just he would uh, when he mooned the Green Bay fans after catching that touchdown there everyone got so oh mad at him I was God. like yeah let's go Randy yeah. and you know he was a, like he was such a high talent the thing was about him like the biggest knock it was he would only try when he wanted to try like other than that though he was the most talented receiver that we've ever seen. Like, Jerry Rice just worked hard and, like, did really well, obviously, and continued to work. He was like, Jerry Rice kind of reminds me like a Kobe Bryant type of deal who really kind of worked at it nonstop. Where, like, Randy Moss kind of reminds me of like a Vince Carter, where Vince Carter was one of the top players. It's just, like, like he, didn't, and he didn't have, like, the work ethic to go with it to keep himself in superstar status forever. You know what I mean? Like, Randy Moss was just yeah. super athletic, hyper-talented, could catch a football, didn't drop barely anything. My man, I remember my man had, like, had a one-handed touchdown grab over Darryl, like Darrell Revis, like, when Revis was Revis Island. Yes, like, that one, like, grabbed <laughs> yes, on the side geez, there, man. and then remember that one catch he caught with his forearm in between his bicep against the Dolphins in 2007 when he was on the Patriots? Like, yeah. 
Like, I wouldn't say Randy, like, Randy Moss made Tom Brady. I would say, like, together they made something that hasn't been matched since. There's been no, you know, quarterback wide receiver duo that was box office the way that these two were in 2007. Because <laughs> that's the same year Tom Brady broke the, t- the passing touchdown record and Randy Moss broke the uh, receiving touchdown record that you mentioned at 23. And he did that against the New York Giants. Uh, <laughs> right over uh, James Butler, number 37. <laughs> I still remember great. I still remember the, him getting that, that uh, record. It's just... He was a great wide receiver. He had hands of glue. And I remember against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving in 1998, three catches, 163 yards, and three touchdowns. That was, like, the best stat line <laughs> yeah, ever. Like, no he one did, could, man. So he was dynamic. He, had, he, had, he was controversial. He was fun. He was, like, a country boy who didn't give a fuck about anything. He was just <laughs> a lot of fun to watch as a person, like, personality-wise. And the crazy things that he could do on the football field puts Randy Moss at my number one spot for favorite all-time NFL player. Awesome, man. Uh, yeah, my number one, uh, since we're wrapping this up here soon, Malice in the Chalice. He, if anyone has ever watched Transformers, Megatron! <laughs> Let's go, baby! Let's go! And I'm a little bit biased, because, yes, I'm from Georgia. He started out at Georgia Tech. Should have won the Heisman, but he had garbage Reggie Ball throwing the ball to him. But dude goes to the Detroit Lions. They sue him because he quits early because he realized he was the only talent on the team besides Maddie not so ice that's now on the Rams Maddie Stafford dude still holds the NFL receiving yards and receptions leader of 1964 yards in one season in the most consecutive 100 yard receiving game People said Calvin Johnson had the size of a small car garage. Like, what? (laughs) That's insane. Dude had the arm span of a small car garage. Gotta give myself props. I actually worked with him one time when I was working in Atlanta. He dropped off his Mercedes Benz and his McLaren off it my rental car studio when I was working in entertainment and uh dude was the coolest guy ever but the things this guy did on the field and people give him shit because he quit because his ass was getting beat on all the time you have a stud player and your team sucks all the fucking time that shit takes its toll on you man that shit takes its fucking toll but there is something to be said with that Megatron he had his own name in the entire NFL one of the best receivers to ever play the game Calvin Johnson gets my number one spot what do you think about that I like I like Megatron Calvin's cool it's no Randy Moss and <laughs> but and you said here I will say this you just talking about like Randy Moss had to go other places to make himself great he was great where he went he just had a problem of like being like giving coaches a hard time and they didn't want to work with him and he quit his way out of Oakland and came back and uh, I will say this too uh, I think that Megatron is probably the closest to Randy Moss since because like there was always a couple receivers right you know there's T.O. 
Randy Moss were like the big ones during that time period. Uh, Megatron was like the next changing of the guard, and he was very, very good. I remember watching one uh, pass in college when he he was played for Georgia Tech, right, Calvin Johnson? Yeah, right. Yeah, so right. he like that quarterback threw the ball. It went behind the def- the defender like was facing Calvin Johnson. And Calvin Johnson, like, reached around, like, gave the guy a hug and caught the ball on the guy's <laughs> back. I've never seen that before. It was crazy. Uh, but, yeah, so I, hey, I respect it, man. Calvin Johnson's cool. It just, yeah, I'm with it. So those are, yeah, our rankings. You know, what we're going to do, how we always do it, I'm going to tell it one more time from 10 to 1, so that way it's all put together. So starting at number 10, the top all-time NFL favorite players list, according to Jay Nelly, is number 10, Deion Sanders. Number nine, Michael Vick. Number eight, Devin Hester. Number seven, LeVar Arrington. Number six, Adrian Peterson. Number five, Brett Favre. Number four, Tiki Barber. Number three, Ed Reed. Number two, Chad Johnson. And number one, Randy Moss. And that is my whole list from 10 to 1. So, Chase, go ahead and run through your list real quick like that from 10 to 1 of your favorite players, and then we'll, we'll close up for the day. So, my number 10 is the greatest of all time, Tony Romo. And then we have number 9, Doug Flutie. Number 8, Tim Tebow, the winner himself. Number 7, Kurt Warner. Number 6, Brett Favre. Number 5, Randy Mouse, number four, Peyton Manning, number three, the GOAT, Tom Brady, number two, Prime Time, Deion Sanders, and number one, Megatron, Calvin Johnson in the number one spot, man. Excellent. So those are our rankings today. And so, yeah, that, that kind of will finish up most of what we wanted to talk about, you know, introducing season two, the things that we're going to do this year in terms of the topics we're going to cover, the efficiencies that we're going to try to add into it to make it a little more, uh, you know, consumer friendly. And then the new wrinkles we're adding with having a debate in every single episode, the new tipsy gypsy card. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun <laughs> this, this, this go around, and I'm really excited for it. So, Jay, did you want to say any other last words before we sign off uh, for our first episode of season two? Yeah, guys, this is season two. Welcome back. Way to do. We can bring you back. <laughs> yeah. Will the real Josh and Chase please stand up? <laughs> it's Yeah, man, I'm stoked for season two. We got a lot of stuff planned. A lot of cool new kinks in there with the tipsy gypsy card. Of course, we still have Malice in the Chalice and Great Debate. We got House of Dragon coming up. We got LOTR, Lord of the Rings coming up. This season is going to be packed. Witcher Season 2, Spider-Man, Homecoming, or no, Homecoming was one. No Way Home. (laughs) That's right. But we got so much planned for you guys today. I do actually have purchased the Severus Snape wand for all of you guys that are tuning in on the YouTube and the Hallmark channel because we like being mean to children. (laughs) Just kidding. No, Severus Snape's like being mean to children, but because of what that man went through, this is going to be my testament to all those that are the shields that guard the realms of fantasy this year. Welcome back, all you guys. 
This is Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. I'm going to flip it over to Jay Nelly. He's going to sign us off today. What about you, my man? Yeah, brother. So just like you said here, and one more thing I'm going to add to it as well. Uh, we say this every single time before we close up. Just follow us on all social media that we have. You can find us on Instagram at Official Ridiculous Patronus. You can find us on Facebook at Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. You can find us at on TikTok at Ridiculous Patronus. We're on Twitter at RP Factor Fantasy. Uh, you can find us anywhere that you get your podcast. So tune in on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever it is that you listen to. We're there. And so with that being said, I will also say for our Instagram as well, I think a little bit what we're going to do is try to make it more important with our posts. So what we're going to do, instead of telling you what we're going to uh, cover in a podcast, we're going to maybe tease it a little bit on Instagram. Like, okay, this is what we're going to be covering first. And then we'll kind of put like a little teaser of what we're going to be covering uh, next week. That'll be our first uh First topic that we're going to cover, I'm not going to give it away now. We're good. So you have to tune into the Instagram. That's going to make you all follow it. So that way you have to tune in and figure out what we're going to be doing because I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> With that being said, <laughs> the Factor Fantasy boys are back. You know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, signing off. off.